You don't have a steady job. I'll prospect of one. Well, listen, I'm in love, Mr. Bond. That's beside the point. We don't think so. Well, I do. And I'll never allow my niece to marry a man like you. Nothing but a no-good cowpuncher who can't hold a steady job. Yes, I can. I suppose you want to marry Melissa because you think she'll inherit my money. I've never even thought of that. Oh, yes, you have. The hearty cry of Hyo Silver has echoed through the years from the wild and untamed west of yesterday. It has acted as a symbol of courage to the oppressed, a challenge to the lawless. Let us return to the west of old and thrill to another of the Lone Ranger's stories featuring the most picturesque and colorful character ever to ride the plains and prairies. Welcome to The Moral Code, Tales of the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger lives by a code of conduct. This conduct consists of two major parts, the Lone Ranger Creed and a set of guidelines. One of the Lone Ranger's creeds is that God put the firewood there, but that every man must gather and light it himself. The Lone Ranger is part of the Life Podcast Network. Our goal is to keep adding shows to our network that bring you good, family-friendly content. If you're interested in becoming involved with our podcast network, please go to lifepodcast.net and click on the Contact Us page. We're also working on a monthly live broadcast designed to connect Lone Ranger enthusiasts. Sign up at our Facebook page to keep up to date. And now, let's listen to another great tale of the Lone Ranger. With his faithful Indian companion, Tonto, the masked rider of the plains led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. The stories of his strength and courage, his daring and resourcefulness have come down to us through the generations. And nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse, Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver! The danger on the trail ahead! Oh, Silver! Away! The ugly framework of a wooden gallows reared itself like a skeleton in the dismal prison courtyard. In the eerie half-light of pre-dawn, the figures walking toward it seemed like shadows out of a dream. It was more than a dream to a white-faced young man surrounded by official witnesses and guards. It was a horrible nightmare that couldn't happen. Yet, it was happening. In a few moments, he, Johnny Higgins, would step through the trap at the top of the gallows and die. Die for a murder he didn't commit. All right, Johnny. Right up the steps. Sheriff Carter. Yes? Could... Could I say goodbye to Melissa before... I guess so, kid, but... Well, let's get this over with as soon as we can. Now, Melissa! Melissa Barnes! Johnny! Johnny! Oh, no, Melissa, don't take on, sir. You really shouldn't have come here. I had to come, Johnny. 
I've been praying every second that maybe something will happen. No chance of that now. Smile for me, will you, Melissa? I want to remember you that way. Of course, Johnny. I'll, I'll smile. That's it. Goodbye, Melissa. Goodbye, Johnny. I'm sorry, Miss Barnes. Up the steps, kid. Yes, sir. Say, Sheriff. Yes? Ain't this hanging supposed to take place exactly at sunrise? The sun will be up any minute now. With all those rain clouds in the east, you'll never know it. How are you going to have an execution at sunrise if you don't know when the sun comes up? Yeah. The order of the court is that Johnny Higgins steps through that trap exactly at sunrise. I know what we'll do. Uh, go into my office, Jim, and get the almanac that's on my desk. Look in there and find out exactly when the sun is supposed to rise on this day and date. Sure, Sheriff. Right away. And, Jim. Yeah? You'd better bring the clock out with you, too. We'll make this thing legal all the way through. Sure. Uh, Johnny. Yes, sir? Just stand where you are for a minute. As soon as my deputy gets back with the clock, we'll go ahead. All right. here on the post. I guess that'll be all right. Did you look at the almanac? Yeah, yeah. According to that, the sun's due to rise this morning at exactly 7.59. Yeah, 7.59. And it's now... 25 minutes to late. Got almost a half hour to wait. You hear that, Johnny? Yes, sir. I hate to drag this thing out, but Jim's right. This execution has got to be legal. According to the clock, we've got 25 minutes to wait. Only 24 and a half now. 24 and a half minutes. As Johnny Higgins stood on the gallows and listened to the clock that was ticking away his life, his mind was flooded with bitterness. The bitterness of a man about to die for a crime he'd not committed. His thoughts raced back through the unreal series of events that had caused all this. Began almost a month ago. One night when he and Melissa were driving home from a dance. Here we are, honey. Whoa, 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 whoa there. Come on. I'll help you down. Thank you. Yeah. What is Dan, the foreman? wonder why he's up so late. Evening, Miss Melissa. Just getting home from the dance? Yes, Sam. You know Johnny Higgins, don't you? Yeah. Hiya, kid. Hello, Sam. Hey, that sure is a pretty dress you're wearing, Miss Melissa. Red's my favorite color. Why, thank you, Sam. But the dress isn't red, it's green. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see it now. Must be the way the lamplight shines on it. Sam, is Uncle Charlie still up? The light's burning in the living room. He's up all right. Johnny wants to talk to him. Yeah, this is a bad night to talk to him. He ain't in a very good mood. What's wrong? Some of the ranchers from out in the valley were here tonight talking to him. Les Pruitt, Frank Mallon, and Cal Smith. The argument got kind of hot. Those men are always arguing with Uncle Charlie. Even though he loans the money every year to get their crops in. I guess they figure your uncle's interest rates are a little too high. They should be thankful he loans them the money. All that hasn't anything to do with my business with your uncle. I think I'll bust right in there now. You're taking a chance, kid. The old man's really boiling. Go on, Johnny. I'll wait for you. Sure. <laughs> Give me a kiss for luck.
Johnny glanced down at the clock. Three and a half minutes had passed. There were only 23 left. He remembered distinctly the talk he'd had with Melissa's Uncle Charlie. Of course you can't marry Melissa. You don't have a steady job. I'll prospect of one. Melissa and I are in love, Mr. Bond. That's beside the point. We don't think so. Well, I do. And I'll never allow my niece to marry a man like you. Nothing but a no-good cowpuncher who can't hold a steady job. Yes, I can. I suppose you want to marry Melissa because you think she'll inherit my money. I've never even thought of that. Oh, yes, you have. Every saddle tramp in the territory has got the same idea. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Barnes. You're wasting your time. Now, get out of here. Get out of my house. All right, I'll get out. But I'll be back and see you again. I'll keep on coming back. No, you won't. Because I won't allow it. And I forbid you to see Melissa. Mr. Barnes. You get out. I haven't changed my mind. I'll be back. The steadily ticking clock seemed the loudest thing Johnny Higgins had ever heard. He saw that two more minutes had gone by. That meant only 21 more to live. Now in the half-light, he could see the faces of the witnesses. Les Pruitt, Cal Smith, Frank Mellon, Sam Ketch, the foreman of the Barnes Ranch. He remembered driving home that night. How angry and confused he was. That must have been why he lost one of his cufflinks when he unhitched the horse. He'd gone to his room and went to bed. The next morning, he awoke to hear a loud knock on the door. Johnny! Johnny! Wait a minute, I put something on. Melissa, what are you... Johnny, you didn't do it, did you? Do what? Did you come back to the ranch last night? No, I came home and went to bed. Why? Uncle Charlie was killed last night. Murdered. Murdered? You couldn't have done it. Of course I didn't kill your uncle. Although I felt like doing it. Sam Ketch has told the sheriff that you had an argument with Uncle Charlie. What of it? So did Pruitt and Mallon and Smith. That's not the worst part. It must have happened after I'd gone to sleep. The living room was all torn up. Uncle Charlie was stabbed to death. Oh, you poor kid. But what's that got to do with me? The sheriff only found one clue to the killer. It was a cufflink. Just like yours, Johnny. Cufflink? Say, that reminds me. I, I lost one of mine last night. Where? I, I don't know. Johnny, please tell me you didn't do it. I swear I didn't, Melissa. I didn't kill your uncle. I believe you. I'm afraid no one else will. And Sheriff Cotter's... What? He's on his way here now to arrest you. Gee, looks kind of like... You've got to leave, Johnny. Get away from here and stay away until they find out who really killed Uncle Charlie. But I'm innocent, Melissa. You can't prove it. You just said you couldn't. Oh, please, Johnny, for my sake, leave. My pony's outside. You can ride him. Well, uh... Please. All right, Melissa, I'll go. Three more precious minutes ticked away into eternity. Johnny felt the perspiration oozing out all over his face, just as it had that morning when he'd ridden wildly into the mountains on Melissa's pony. He knew a posse was trailing him, but there was nothing to do but go on. Come on, pony, just a little further. Then suddenly he rendered round at a bend in the trail near the river. He was in the midst of a small campsite. He saw three figures crouching around a fire. One was tall, lean, and wore a black mask. His companions were a young boy and an Indian. Oh, 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 oh. 
Oh, Father! You seem to be in a hurry, racing that pony on an uphill trail. Man, it's an outlaw. We're not outlaws. Guess I'm in the right company anyway. My horse is winded. I can't go any further. What's the trouble? There's a posse trailing me. Was that right? Lynch mob would be a better name for it. I'll swing if they catch me. What's the reason? Murder. That's dangerous business. But I didn't do it. Honest, I didn't. I've never killed anybody. Doesn't the law know that? Everything's against me. Well, I mean, it looks that way. Why should I want to kill the uncle of the girl I'm in love with? Kimasabi, me hear plenty of horses. Come fast. The, the posse. They'll get me and I won't have a chance to get away. You don't look like a murderer. Tell me about it. I might be able to help you. All right. My name's Johnny Higgins. Last night I took my girl, Melissa Barnes, to... Why had he told the masked man about it? Even now he didn't know. It certainly hadn't helped any. In fact, telling the story had caused him to be captured. He remembered all those questions the masked man had asked. You say you lost a cufflink and one was found at the scene of the murder. That's what Melissa told me. But it couldn't have been mine. Why not? Because she said the link that Sheriff Carter found had a ruby in it. Mine was set with an imitation emerald. I see. Are you sure you've told me everything that happened and all that was said from the time you arrived at the Barnes Ranch until you left? Yes. That's the posse. They'll get there. Uh, what do we do? Get the horses. We'll have to move fast. Sure. Here, Victor. Silver, scout. I'll have to ride double with one of you. My pony's winning. No, Johnny. You're not going with us, Johnny Silver. Uh, what? You mean you're going to double-cross me? Leave me here for that lynch crazy posse? There's no danger of you being lynched. I know Sheriff Carter and the law in this part of the country. You'll get a fair trial by a jury. I thought you were going to help me. I am. Listen to me, Johnny. Yeah? I believe you're innocent. I think you've been framed. I don't know exactly how it was done. They'll jail me. I won't hurt you. I promise you that no matter how long it takes, I'll do everything possible to prove your innocence. The boy here with me is named Dan Reed. You'll hear from me through him. I know it may be hard, Johnny, but keep up your nerve. The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger story. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. Next time on The Moral Code, Tales of the Lone Ranger. Smooth that, Dan. So let's prove it. He owns the ranch night right next to the farm's place. Oh, him, big fella, huh? Him talk loud. Yeah. Maybe that's why the Lone Ranger was so sure we'd find him here in the cafe. Oh. He's going to head in on that poker game, Tonto. Come on, we can move closer. The Moral Code, Tales of the Lone Ranger, is part of the Life Podcast Network, a group of family-friendly podcasts bringing a positive message of hope and inspiration. Some of the audio for this podcast was provided by the archive.org online database.